Welcome to another episode of the Lawn Feed Podcast. Collectively, the Lawn Feed is three dads with a strong passion for lawn care. We deliver everything to you in a simplified and easy to listen to way in a space where all experiences are welcome, egos are left at the door, successes are celebrated, and there are no failures. Here, we call them learning moments. I'm open alongside me, as always, is Andrew from the Dad Bod Lawn and Vince from Rooted Lawn Co. And for this episode, us three are going to be your hosts. Just like every other episode, but it sounds cooler when we all say that we're just going to be hosts. So, Howdy, what's up, folks. fellas? Yeah. How are we doing? What's going on? We're good. We're good. How are you, Chris? Good. We finally got winter, so that's fun. Yeah, it'll be here for like two days, but, you know, that's fine. Yeah, whatever you guys got, it's coming up my way next. Three to well, six, good. baby. Three to it's six. It's like the clap. Just keeps yep. on giving. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's thank our sponsors real quick, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> Uh, a huge thank you to our friends at Twin City Seed for powering this season of the Lawn Feed Podcast, built on their reputation of superior service, accuracy, and sustainability with custom blending and packaging, high-performance product, and a team of dedicated experts. Twin City Seed is North American leader in DIY, giving DIYers the highest quality of premium and elite grass seed for your next project. Now through the end of February 2024, take off 15% off your pre-orders on turf grass using code WINTER15. And on top of that, make sure you get the free shipping as well by pairing it with code FREESHIP24. All pre-orders will ship out no later than March 15th, 2024 to gear you up for your spring projects. Twin City Seed is proudly serves all of North America. So go check them out at TwinCitySeed.com and TwinCitySeed.ca for all you Canadians up there, eh? 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 We're getting, we're getting close, boys. <laughs> I know. Real close. I feel like, I mean, it just snowed here, but it's like, we're there. Mm-hmm. It's game time almost. Yeah, it snowed today, and I I left it alone. Didn't even touch it. Just let it melt. Let let Mother Nature do what she does, and just get mom her will gone. take care of it. She'll take care of it, like she always does. She's so nice. Only sometimes, sometimes I guess. Sometimes. When we're being when we're being good, which or, is not very often, or a little assets. But that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Speaking of moms, should we talk about dad's wins and losses? We should. Let's let's get into that. Just fire that bad boy right up. A lawn feed tradition where we tap into who we are at heart. Dads. This is Dads Wins and Losses where we tap into our inner father figures and highlight some of the recent wins we've experienced as parents and, of course, vent about those embarrassing losses that we take each and every day as dads. Vince, you missed out on the last one, uh, so you've got to, like, double down with some wins and losses. What What do you got for us today? I got some wins and losses for you guys, so... Uh, as many of you know, some of you don't know, I have twin girls and they are just about to turn three years old. Uh, my wife is currently pregnant and we're expecting a son in, uh, in May. So do people like know that on this show? I I think if you were like from very far early, oh wait, about like the new, new boy coming. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think you may have mentioned a child, but not the gender, but you have since revealed the gender on social media. Yes. If you haven't seen the gender reveal, go check it out. It's It's a very long dad gender reveal. It's very cool. It's cool. Yeah. Thanks. We're super pumped about that, by the way. You finally get your boy. Got my boy. (laughs) Yeah. So 
uh, bending over a crib, uh, a pregnant wife trying to bend over a crib just doesn't work. So you never know when the right time is to put a child into the, you know, like a big girl bed, get rid of the crib or take down the bed rail, convert it, whatever. So we're like, well, now I guess is just the time. We're just going to do it anyway. So we hyped up the girls for like the first week and then we're like, all right, well, it's time. So I took the one rail off, put in the adapter. It has like little side rails so they don't roll out. And the first night or two, they did awesome. They were excited. They got into bed. They slept. Um, it was the greatest thing ever. They were excited for nap time. But now they're still staying in their beds. So that was my win, by the way. So my loss is like now they just know that they can climb out of their bed during when it's supposed to be nap time. And they just go grab books and they play and they laugh and they have been rebelling naps mm-hmm. like no other. I'm like me, I would love to go get another extra nap, but they just, they, they don't, they want nothing to do with it. So the is loss it- is that we just, we're battling nap time, man. It is just not good. I don't know if they're just not tired, if they're just at a stage where it's just, they're just, there's not enough going on. They're cooped up inside because it's cold and whatnot, but I don't know. You guys have older kids. Did they rebel naps around three years old? Is that a thing? It depends on the Yeah, it depends. Like my son, we kind of, if he's at home, we make him lay down. If he doesn't sleep, he doesn't sleep. But most of the time he sleeps for a good hour, almost two hours. And when he's at daycare, like they would do quiet time. So he just Mm -hmm. does not like, he doesn't have to fall asleep. But like I'd say three quarters of the time he does. But I'd say the worst sleep that I got as a parent when my daughter, who's my oldest, is when we took the crib and transitioned it to a toddler bed. Mm. The The next like two months of my life, I hated bedtime like, terribly. It was not a good situation for us. I, with ours, our oldest napped pretty good. And up until then, our youngest wanted to nap with him because it was the cool thing to do. And like he did it all the way up until kindergarten. And then kindergarten came and it was like boot camp for him. He came home just like dragging. Mm. It's like he just got hit by a train. Um, and like, since then our youngest just doesn't want to nap. So we just ripped the bandaid off. It was like not worth the fight. Yeah. It was easier to just, I don't know, let it go. Yeah. It sucks as a parent. Cause you lose yeah. that. Like, you know, there's two hours of that. getting some things done and your own yeah. rest. Yeah. <clears throat> right. But yeah, they, at least they still sleep through the night. They like, they like their, uh, nighttime. We got them little pillows. So they're, they're excited. They like that part, but nap time. No bueno. <laughs> it's yeah. time. Rip the Band-Aid off. Three's early, it feels like, but maybe yeah. not. No, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. So that was my win and my loss, but let's get back to talking about grass. Mm-hmm. We are a grass podcast after all, we right? We are. So, yeah, it's great. It's go time. And a lot of projects are going to be coming up. And um, we've we've covered a, a couple uh, cool episodes that, in season three already. Uh, this is going to be uh, the second episode on our cool season grass type series. Uh, in the last episode, uh, we took a deep dive into Kentucky bluegrass, one of the mm. most popular cool season grass types that are out there. Uh, we talked about its pros, its cons, and whether that's a good fit for you and your lawn. And today we're going to switch gears and talk and place our attention to tall fescue, another super popular and up and coming, I feel like, uh, cool season grass type that's becoming more and more popular as genetics transitions and evolves. 
Um, in our first episode of this entire season, we talked about identifying your zone, your environments, and narrowing down which grass type might be the best fit for your location and ultimately what might be the best fit for your lifestyle. Go and listen to uh, go and listen to that episode as a precursor to all of these grass series, uh, grass type series episodes. And also be sure to check out our free guide on our website, What Grass is Best for Me. That's available in our profile and again at thelawdenfeed.com to drill down exactly what grass type is best for you, your local environment, and of course your lifestyle to be the best fit. But for those of us who have been with us the entire season, uh, let's get prepped for the upcoming project season and talk tall fescue. Woo! Yeah, sissy my favorite. Grass. No, this no, sissy no, no, grass. No, 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 no. The new sissy grass. <laughs> your favorite. You guys suck. Pure mockery. <laughs> Ugh. over there uh <laughs> hi <laughs> for those of you who have been with us for a while uh sissy grass is uh perennial ryegrass or been noted to be perennial ryegrass and vince uh because of you know i think just the evolved genetics of turf type tall fescue and uh how great it's become and i think also because andrew has it he just named it Sissy grass. Yeah, and now that like, Vince has like 100% perennial rye on his side yard, he doesn't want to refer to that as sissy grass. Exactly. I, exactly. It's okay. It's okay. It's all good. We'll get there. Yeah. We but can talk high about level, sissy grass next episode. Yeah, but so like high level, let's talk through uh, tall fescue. We'll take a deep dive in with our friends at Twin City Seed. But Andrew, let's go over some uh, just quick facts on tall fescue and what people can know about it. So tall fescue, it's uh, traditionally like a coarse-textured, wide-bladed, bunching-type grass, uh, but with improvements of tall fescue uh, over the years, leaf texture has resulted in more of a fine blade with the new cultivars and varieties, and this has really helped with its increase of uh, turf quality and use of drought tolerance and turf. Uh, we often recommend that you use these newer varieties um, of tall fescue as your primary species for your lawns. Uh, but the older, wider um, bladed grasses, uh, such, such as like Kentucky 31, they still exist out there. Um, but just be wary of that because there's oh, there could be a lot of weeds in those in those seeds. Uh, tall fescue can be spotted in lawns during drought times um, in the summer because uh, it might stay green compared to stuff like your Kentucky bluegrass. So um, during those times of dormancy, your tall fescue might thrive because it's more of a drought tolerant grass. So. There's some uh, just some quick bullet points before we let the experts let her rip over at Twin City Seed. So that's awesome. But what do you as the homeowner need to know about tall fescue for your lawn? What environments is it best suited for to help you make the best decision for you and your yard? We sat down with our friends at Twin City Seed once again to break down some of these questions. And this is what they had to say. Take a listen. You can pretty much do minimal care, minimal maintenance with a tall fescue lawn and it's still going to pop. It's still going to look awesome. I call it the vacation turf grass because I like to go away on weekends. If I'm not able to water, fertilize, or mow it for a long period of time in the middle of the heat of the summer, I can let it go and not have to worry about it. With us again are Andy Keating, General Sales Manager, and James Wolfen, Conservationist from Twin City Seed. What's so exciting about tall fescue is the breeding has just gone bonkers in the past you know, 20 years, decade, where what we have now on the market, I really consider it to be the gold standard of cool season turf grasses and even transition zone grasses, especially transition zone grasses. When I'm talking to residents, I'll often refer to Kentucky bluegrass as like your granddaddy's bluegrass. This was the standard 20, 30 years ago. 
where if we think about those primary deficiencies in Kentucky bluegrass, the limited shade tolerance, the limited uh, drought tolerance, uh, tall fescue really just knocks the doors off there. On our last episode, we talked about the inputs going into a Kentucky bluegrass that a homeowner might experience during those hot, stressful summer months that they might experience. What is it going to be like with a tall fescue or a turf-type tall fescue in terms of overall inputs and how far this grass type has come? You know, the used-done trials where they've let different species of turf go without any sort of moisture for 30, 40, 50 days, and over time, you know, the perennial ryegrass goes dormant and brown, you know, after like 30 seconds. <laughs> the Kentucky bluegrass starts to go brown or whatever after two to three weeks. And the tall fescue keeps chugging along for 30, 40, 50 days, keeping its green color. Where, you know, here in Minnesota, that was a reality for so many mm -hmm. residents. We had such terrible droughts over these past few years. And picking out a Kentucky bluegrass yard from a tall fescue yard, it's just which one's green, which one's brown. The green one is the tall fescue. The brown one is the Kentucky bluegrass. So, you know, if we get more drought and you don't have irrigation to provide or you want to keep that water bill down, tall fescue is going to be your new best friend. What makes that tall fescue great are its root systems. So if, you, if you're able to dig out a tall fescue plant, probably see a three-foot root system versus if you cut Kentucky bluegrass at the same height, might be looking at eight inches. That's one main reason why you see green tall fescue plants in the middle of July versus a brown Kentucky bluegrass plant if there's lack of water there. Tall fescues and turf-type tall fescues have come a long way in overall plant genetics in relatively a short amount of time, most notably in the appearance, the aesthetics of a thinner leaf blade, softer texture, where it might be a little bit more similar to some of the other cool season varieties that we have. Talk to us a little bit about what the leaf blade is like for today's turf-type tall fescues or tall fescues and what homeowners might experience and why that might be an attractive option for them. So if you're looking at newer varieties, say the stuff that's come out in the past seven years, it's going to have a similar leaf width as Kentucky bluegrass. Over time, if you give tall fescue space to grow, meaning that it's a not so dense area of turf grass, there's potential for leaf blades to grow bigger. But if you have a good overseeding program in the fall with tall fescue and keep your stand dense, it's not going to get that thick of a blade. As we talked about in our last episode with Kentucky bluegrass, the growing pattern is rhizomatous. And one of the biggest characteristics and qualities of that is a Kentucky bluegrass's ability to self-repair, maybe filling in bare spots over time. It's obviously different with tall fescue. Talk to our listeners about that, what they should experience, and maybe some compatibility with other grass types that they might want to consider with their lawn. Tall fescue, it's always going to be a bunch type. I know there's a lot of these producers or advertise rhizomes in tall fescue, but it's really marginal. You might see a couple more tillers on these plant species than, say, a normal forage type tall fescue, but it, it, it's not noticeable. The best way to keep a dense stand of tall fescue is just like how you fertilize every year, you have to overseed every year. Typically, overseeding in August and September are the optimal times to overseed tall fescue. Yeah, the other part of that is, you know, when you're building your lawn, think of it like, you know, you're building your team. You're putting in that tall fescue for that drought tolerance and that shade tolerance. 
If you add in just a little bit of Kentucky bluegrass, that'll help you with that self-repair. The tall fescue is your superstar throwing the ADR touchdown passes, but the Kentucky bluegrass is kind of in there, filling in the gaps where the tall fescue is struggling to recover because of that limited spread and repair. So trying to figure out what grass grasses respond well to, to which pressures and kind of, you know, mixing and matching a little bit, where, as Andy said, this isn't 1970 anymore where your tall fescues have these absurdly wide leaf blades. The uniformity you get when you mix Kentucky bluegrass and tall fescue is incredible. And with that, you're kind of getting the best of both worlds when you do a mix of Kentucky bluegrass and tall fescue in a given bag in a given lawn. Definitely want to be looking at that blue resilient tall fescue Kentucky bluegrass mixture. Uh, it's 90% turf type tall fescue, basically the same varieties as resilient too, with some blue gem Kentucky bluegrass, that Texas hybrid bluegrass I was talking about before. Fantastic mix from for what James just explained there. You guys are certainly making it difficult to come up with a case on why someone shouldn't get a turf type tall fescue inside, inside their lawn or at least have a presence of it in their lawn. With any list of advantages, there, there's got to be some disadvantages to a turf type tall fescue. Maybe whether it's just battling a, an advantage of another cool season grass type, uh, there's got to be areas that this falls short, even if it's just a short list. Uh, what are those in your mind? The, the only drawback I see with turf type Type tall fescue can sometimes be winter hardiness. I say that with pause. The only thing that can really kill it in the winter is ice. So if you have ice accumulation anywhere in your yard, whether that be from melting and freezing snow, it more than likely will probably die. But if you just have snow cover and you have a good base of snow, that tall fescue is going to persist. Also, coming out of winter, the genetics haven't caught up to bluegrass where you're going to have a good early spring green up with turf type tall fescue any variety it's going to be a slow you're going to see a great stand come end of may versus great kentucky bluegrass stand at stand at the beginning of may or end of april it all depends on when that soil temps really hit its peak at like uh, 55 60 degrees tall fescues really do prefer to stay a little bit taller maybe you know a two inch minimum me personally, I cut mine down to three inches and it's really happy there. So that's the one instance. If your goal is to have that, you know, pristine golf course type look, tall fescue might not be your best friend. Knowing what you just said and just highlighted there, is there any other grass type, I guess specifically in cool season territory, where you would choose over turf type tall fescue or a tall fescue? Knowing that short list of disadvantages, like is there a specific environment that another grass type would work better in? And you can always look at the fine fescues, you know, sheep, hard chewings, creeping red. They're always an option. There is a few drawbacks to those as well. They're not as heat tolerant as turf type tall fescue is. Also, it's really fine bladed. So it doesn't really, doesn't really take traffic too well either. Fine fescues would be really great for areas where uh, you don't really recreate at all or, you know, borders of your lawn or if you just basically have a garden in your backyard and you just need a turf grass to fill some of the, the areas where it might be bare or you need something appeasing. Fine fescues could be a good option there too. James, Andy from Twin City Seeds has been awesome information as always. Thanks again for allowing us to come on into your space and donating your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Chris. 
And there you have it, tall fescue. I won't call it sissy grass. We all know that. Uh, like they said and Andrew said, during droughts, you're going to see it staying green because it just has that resilience to, just, uh, to outperform and stay drought tolerant and stuff. So based on what you learned today, uh, is it the right grass type for you, uh, for your environment, for your lifestyle? Let us know by sharing in the comments. Uh, send us an email, uh, whatever you would like. Let us know if tall fescue is for you. Uh, also, if you guys have questions, we have a mailbag. So make sure you send us a DM over at our Motime mailbag where we're going to dive into your questions. We're going to do the research that we need to to be able to share your uh, questions, answers, uh, and thoughts on the air. And make sure uh, you join us on our next episode as we have an awesome conversation of the true OG of Sissy Grass, the, the just amazingly dark stripage perennial ryegrass. There he goes again. <laughs> Got a real in the air. I, I, I didn't go too much of a tangent. I think he just starts picturing a side lawn as you speak. I, I did, Might actually. close your eyes. Yeah. I did. It does look nice. It does look very good. I'm excited to see how it looks this summer. Well, you just posted a, a reel recently, and it showed your your front lawn, and I'm like, man, I can't wait to see those stripes again. We're getting so close, so close, so close. But all right, boys. Well, thanks again for our art friends of Twin City Seed with today's episode. As always, check them out for all of your turf grass needs. And remember, all orders are 15% off through the end of February. There's only a little bit of month left in order to get that 15%. So go over there, twincityseed.com and check them out. Also, elevate your lawn apparel by grabbing a new Motime or Big Grass Guy shirt at thelawnfeed.com. And of course, remember that promo code, good old Brad15 for 15% off Mm. your entire order there as well. On behalf of the entire crew here at The Lawn Feed, thank you for joining us on another great episode. Stay safe out there and good luck as always with this week's venture of parenthood. And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys.